Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue! Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello, and welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted Lindhart, Garrett Eisler here on a very special day. Yes. On November 13th, Felix Unger was asked to remove himself from his place of residence. That request came from his wife. Deep down, he knew she was right, but he also knew that someday he would return to her. With nowhere else to go, he appeared at the home of his friend, Oscar Madison. Several years earlier, Madison's wife had thrown him out, requesting that he never return. Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? So we play that because we are actually recording, coincidentally, we didn't even plan this, on November 13th. Happy Odd Couple Day, Garrett. To those to all who celebrate. Um, yes, whether you were perhaps, it, it's probably unlikely you are someone out there is listening to this on November 13th. If uh, Well, I think if we post it today, yeah. yes, okay. uh, there, there will, will be a, there. Yeah. the group of the hardcore fans will... Yeah. Maybe, maybe listen. Uh, some will listen today. Maybe That's if, true. I, if we get it out there early enough, people. Well, all right. Let's then let's get started and get this finished then. Because right. Uh, so um, before we get into talking more about that, let's talk about what we're talking about today. So today's topic is Jack and Tony as themselves in media throughout the seventies, eighties, nineties as themselves. This includes commercials, roasts, TV guest appearances, opera. Um, but and, usually not just as themselves, but with an odd couple tie-in. Uh, often, I think or you will find the show. Or... I think you will find most of what I'm playing oh. is actually not. There's some odd couple-related stuff, yes, but I'd say more than fifty percent is not. Yeah. It's 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 actually yeah, not. I think we're calling it the Jack and Tony Clips Show. Yes. Um, and there's a lot of them. I mean, they were. We'll talk about how many appearances they made in a second. But there's a lot of this out on YouTube, so we're scratching the surface. We're we're really only scratching the surface of what they actually did, and we're we're deeply scratching the surface of what's available. But just, we can't do everything. We we try to find the best of what we could find. So some odds and ends before we get into that topic. Ah, so we one. odds and ends. Not even that was not intentional. Um. So we so November thirteenth. So. The date was first used. I didn't realize this because we didn't really because we didn't watch season one. Do you know that narration didn't come until season sixteen of epi- episode sixteen? Of, did you know that? Uh, no, wait. It's not. It couldn't be that late. It I'm is. Saying, it is. I looked at. I, I found that. Was, I know it took a while. So I found that online, and then I was looking at. I went to okay. season fifteen on Paramount Plus, and it's not there. And season sixteen, it was episode sixteen. It was. If only um, there were 15 seasons. Yeah. And that's the first episode where Oscar meets Nancy Cunningham. Ah. And unfortunately, some of the odds and ends we're going, that we're, we'll mention right now is that Joan Hotchkiss, who played Nancy oh, yes. Cunningham, died on September 27th after we recorded our last episode. Um, she was 95. Yeah. She lived in Los Angeles, mostly a stage actress, but to people who she's most famous i would say to yeah. the national public for playing nancy cunningham um so if and you, that episode i mean it's like the, the 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 point of the prologue 
was to establish why they were living together and to dispel any suspicion that they are a gay couple. And the intro that episode that introduces Nancy is like the first steady relationship either of them has in the in the series. And so maybe it was all sort of part of a plan. So if we go off season one, episode 16, that would make today the 51st anniversary of the first time that date is mentioned in odd couple lore, because I believe it has nothing to do with the play or the movie. Um, but probably not the 51st anniversary of um, Felix getting kicked out because that would have happened before 1970. Yeah. And also, I mean, clearly episode 16 was um, not broadcast on November. No, it was in, it was, it was in, it must've been the spring or something. Now, the, you know, the other uh, tie, the, the other significance of November 13th is where the date came from. Who's who suggested? Oh, Gary Marshall's birthday. Right, right. Yes, our friend Jackson mentioned that to us. But we are also commemorating that today. Yes. So happy, happy birthday, birthday to the Odd Couple. Well, happy birthday, Gary Marshall, and happy Odd Couple Day to all the other Odd Couple fans. Even if you're not listening to this on the 13th, it, it consider you, this part of the celebration. Yes, this is our gift to you. Commemoration of that. Yes, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, also, I didn't know if we addressed this, but Janice Hansen, who played Gloria, uh, there's an obituary uh, on on um, um, that website that has obituaries that I can't think of the name of right now. Uh, she died on November 30th, 2021, oh. at the age of 81. It says Janice Annie Hansen. And it talks about her being a manager. It doesn't really go into her playing Gloria. Really? Because, uh, again, that would be, like, the thing she'd be most famous for. I, I get a sense that she didn't embrace it so much or her family like didn't really want to focus on that because she had this long career as a manager right so the other odd and end is um i read matthew perry's memoir he is a he's an addiction a memoir about his life but mostly focuses on addiction that just came out and uh i read it uh he mentions the odd couple only in one paragraph which i'd like to read yes i'd like to read to you Uh, I was angry at myself over what happened on The Odd Couple on CBS. For a long time, I'd been a huge fan of the film of Neil Simon's play and had always wanted to do a new TV version of it. My dream came true in 2013 when CBS had finally grinned the idea. Go On, the show I did before The Odd Couple, hadn't worked. But I felt more confident about this one. The source material was brilliant. The cast, great. Everything was set fair to have a hit. Yet depression stalked me and my addictions were back in full force. Accordingly, I completely embarrassed. I am completely embarrassed about my behavior in The Odd Couple. On top of the horrible depression, I showed up late all the time and high and ultimately lost all power on the show to a showrunner. But I take complete responsibility of what happened and would like to apologize not only to my fellow castmates, but also to everyone involved. Hmm. So curious what happened there. The, the the mediocre show that we saw <laughs> right. clearly wasn't helped by his addiction no. at the time. Well, uh, I must say, like he sometimes what I felt well, what I felt was both odd and sometimes appealing about his performance is that he was kind of now in retrospect, it seems like he was whacked out on something. You know, he kind of like gave these weird line readings and and also one of the they made a big. It's almost like they incorporated that part of. Matthew Perry's persona, life persona, into it because they kind of keep making fun or using his addictions as a source of humor. Although he's not into drugs, but his sex and booze, and yeah, 
gambling. And uh, so I felt like this was like almost a typecasting thing with Matthew Barry. And it's also interesting what he said about losing control because yeah, I was surprised when we looked at the show and studied it, that it he really like co-created the show as a vehicle for himself. And that's interesting that he his his control over the show uh, weakened as it yes. went on for three I, whole seasons. I mean, I don't really believe the failure. I don't know. I don't believe the show would have been that much better had he been sober. Honestly, I just no. because it, it, I, yeah. I think right. it got better when maybe the showrunner was better at doing the show. All right, so let's move on to our main topic. So we're going to start out with Tony Randall because he was really one of the frequent guests on Carson and Letterman yeah. in, in our era in the 80s and 90s, even before that in the 70s. According to Wikipedia, he was on Carson 105 times, and there's some places that say he was the most frequent Carson guest, but uh, there's no citation for that, and I'm not sure I believe exactly that. IMDb shows 92 appearances yeah. between 1963 and 1991, so really from the beginning of his show yeah, to the yeah. end of his show and, and Carson moved to from New York to LA around 1970 72 I think it right. was so mm -hmm. um it doesn't matter if it's 105 or 92 uh on Letterman uh IMDb shows 25 appearances for the NBC show and then 17 for the CBS show mm -hmm. and if you look at Tony Randall's IMDb for self credit now there's a section that says credits as self <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's 187 yeah which addition to Carson Letterman, there's the Pyramid Game shows, Hollywood Squares, Merv Griffin, Password, Match Game, Smothers Brothers, and just like a collection of everything else that happened. And we've talked decades. about that. I mean, Password being one Password, of, of course. Right? Yes, yes. And that shows uh, up on the R couple. But Jack Klugman isn't that far behind. He's 107, which, yeah. okay, there's 80 there. But I, I actually thought Jack, especially as he got older and had the cancer issue, uh, I actually thought he would be much, I thought he would be half of Randall. If you'd asked me, right. uh, that's what I would have guessed. All right. So first let's listen to an appearance of um, Tony Randall on Johnny Carson during the run of the odd couple. This is September 17th, 1974, right? As season five was starting. My first guest, you all know, he's a co-star of uh, a fine, very funny show, the odd couple. And he's known for his vast knowledge of many subjects. He's lately become quite an authority on hummingbirds, which is of little interest to very few people. Would you welcome Mr. Tony Randall? Please said to me? No. Tell him. What did you say? Kiss me. I dare you. I dare. All right. Mm. <laughs> Oh, you're so jealous. No, you know there are people out there in the television land will think that there's some... See, you know, men... I don't know what you're talking other. about. Yes, you, you do know what I'm talking about. think there's some homosexual relationship between us. Well, I mean... The hell with them. Let them think it. <laughs> I've never been ashamed of you. No? <laughs> oh. We look like a bad comedy act yeah, tonight with these... Uh, with his coats here. You know, it's nice when men kiss. They do in, in most parts of the world. Yes, there's something in our reading. culture that says men shouldn't kiss. It goes from childhood. Men are very... It's wrong. It's wrong. Men it. should kiss. It's nice and it's warm. I always used to kiss my father. Love. Did you kiss your father? Yes. I mean, in public, when he'd take you to school, would you kiss him in front of the kids? I don't know. Yeah, you'd be ashamed to kiss him in front of the kids. Probably. But that's ridiculous. Well, of course it is. I'm not arguing with you. Right. 
But you said people will think there's something because I kiss them. No, I, I happen to be so fond of him. So why shouldn't you kiss someone you like? You should. Yeah. <laughs> now you'll beg for a kiss and you won't get it. <laughs> no, I have a headache anyway. <laughs> So that's pretty frank talk for 1974 tonight's <laughs> yeah. show. Yeah, and pretty, I mean, just to, to, for those who haven't seen this clip and didn't get the visual, he basically kisses Ed McMahon right on the mouth. Yep. Uh, that, that bit. And um, it's also kind of weird that this is during The Odd Couple, and no one mentions The Odd Couple, but you've got to wonder if part of the subtext of this is the ongoing rumors or jokes about the gay subtext of The Odd Couple. So, Which you just mentioned earlier. Right. Yeah in the Joan, in the Nancy Cunningham stuff. Um, and that laugh that we hear, that that laugh that Tony Randall does mm -hmm. at the end there, which is like his genuine yeah. laugh, which we never hear. Do we ever hear that sort of laugh on The Odd Couple? It's interesting. Uh, I think I, there's a, I feel yeah. like there's one scene where he pretends to do that for some reason. Hmm. Right, but I, don't, I feel like that natural Tony Randall laugh yeah. doesn't come out. Yeah. We'll hear it in, I think, on the roast, if you're playing the roast clip. Yes, right. All right. Anything more you want to say about that clip? Are you playing more talk shows? Now? Yes. Yes. Okay, yes. I'm going on after you play more. talk. Oh, shows. right. Right. You have a story. Okay. <clears throat> so now we have two clips from an appearance at the end. So that was 74. So that's uh, 12 years into Carson's run. Now is something like the year before the year before Carson went off uh, two years before the Carson went off the air. This is 1990. Uh, this is broken into two sections. So in the first section, I want you to pay attention and there's a place where I think Tony Randall makes a big mistake yeah. in something he says. It could be argued he's not, but I think he is. I don't want to give it away yet, but I want you to see if you can pick up on it. And then we'll play the second part of the clip. So then this is 1990 now. Was I right? You've been an actor for 40 years? More. More than 40 years? Yeah. Yeah. How long? Yeah. You Theater, radio, you've done it mm. all. Movies, television? Yes. Done it all. You have a large, as they say, body of work. Do you like watching yourself? I don't think I've ever asked you that. When you watch yourself as Tony, are you no. amused with your performance? Very, very seldom. I, I can't stand myself. That's not an unusual no. attitude for an actor or anybody, a performer, because you always look at it and you self-examine it and say, gee, I shouldn't have said that. I could have done better. No. Do I you just... like your recent work better than the very early stuff? I don't like anything I've done. You're kidding. No, I'm serious. Come on. I'm, I'm absolutely serious. I, I'm very, very, very critical of other actors' work. Yeah. And more so of my own. And in my own, I see, oh, the most awful things that... Uh, really? Yeah, you know, I can't forgive. I see little things that... I don't uh, feel like... I, when I see, I see you make it look easy. Like, you're, like it's very simple. And acting is not really simple. But to make it look like there's no well, effort, that's the, that's well, the, the trick, whole, That's it? the whole thing, to, to get so good that it, it's easy for you. And it is, acting is easy for me. And I, I believe I'm fairly adept at it. How about still, being in the public eye? Are you adept at that, being a, being a celebrity? I love it. Do you really? Love it. A lot of people say, oh, no, I want to hide out. They're kidding. They're lying. Don't Are believe they? them. Of course. you like it when people say, hey, turn around. Yeah. I love it. Everybody loves recognition. Yeah. Except very stupid people who call me Oscar. Oh. Because that stuck with you from, from the... Uh, oh, yeah. 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 But very nice people. If they're trying to be nice, say, thank you, Mr. Unger. They say that sort of thing. Oh. But, but, uh, I, I was walk, walking down the street in my neighborhood in New York. Guy has a great big carton. He's got 
old LPs for sale in it, used LPs. So I looked through the bin. I found two, uh, each marked clearly 75 cents. Yeah. So I took those two. He said, that's $2. I said, it says 75 cents on each one. He says, yeah, but it's you. <laughs> you you're good for it, huh? You can spring for two bucks. <laughs> anything, anything yeah, else? I was, I was walking down Madison Avenue. I saw a tie on the window. This is, this is absolutely true. It's, it's so good that it sounds like a made-up story, but it's not. And a very good-looking tie on the window. So I went in. Before I could say anything, the manager said, Oh, God. I said, Oh, don't in my store. I, I, please, just a minute. Wait, wait, just a minute. Don't do a thing. He said, I've got to call my wife. He calls his wife, Please, he said, talk to my wife. Please, just say anything. She'll never believe me. Tell her, tell her, say hello, please. Yeah. And so you take the phone. The whole thing, the whole thing. He flattered me so much that I bought the tie and I bought six shirts. I, I didn't have enough money. Yeah, and you he said, I said, will you accept my check? He said, do you have any identification? <laughs> Are you familiar? Oh, it's a great story. But here's where, when he says stupid people who call me Oscar, uh-huh. and then he says, and then but the nice people say Mr. Unger. Do you think he meant to say Felix there? Or is he talking about stupid Mm. people who don't even realize what role he played? I think he meant to say Felix, not Oscar. I I think he meant what he said. I don't think so. I I, I mean, now that you, I did, it didn't occur to me, but now that you. It didn't occur to me either until he said Mr. Unger. Yes. Well, the part where he says Mr. Unger, he gets kind of garbled, and 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 maybe that's just evidence of that he knows he's being inconsistent or something. I don't know, but yeah, it's not clear what he's saying about the Mr. Unger part. So no, it is clear. He's saying that there are people who nicely call him Mr. Unger instead of Felix. I see, because Felix would be too. But uh, I don't think he meant to quiet. say. I I could see someone thinking they're so dumb, right? They call him by a character's the, name that he didn't even play. In that context. I mean, out of context, just by itself, that would make sense. But I don't think he meant I, that. I'm I, open to your interpretation. Okay, and I'm not. I don't think it's conclusive. But I, I it's not conclusive, yeah. but but I just for the record, yes, believe. And I listened to that clip like several times, wow. and I just think he made a mistake. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, but that's a good interview. That's a that funny he, story. That he blocked on the name of his character from. Well, I think I, years I, I remember I've called you, Oscar. Yes, I yes. sometimes say. Uh, the wrong name when I'm yes, doing the podcast. Sure. Yeah, right. So I feel like that's not okay. that's not impossible for him yeah. to just say the wrong name. Sorry, it was only 15 years since the end of the show. So not 20. Uh, 1990. Right, 1990. Yes, 1085. Yeah. Um, he does. I, you know, it's funny. He uh, one of the things I've noticed in his interviews in general is whenever they talk about the art couple, he of course he's he's used to the question and he always seems annoyed at the question of how much like felix are you and he always rejects that out of you know right, uh, outright you know he really does not like to be thought of as felix uh, well, even I- though he <laughs> clearly to those who knew him he was putting a lot of himself into the character but he was very and so maybe he has some block about like the whole felix Unger identity and I have no clips of him getting asked that question, by the way. All right, here's the second part of the interview. Now, we know, um, I realized now that I forgot to find, I told you, I think, I think I said this on the podcast when I over 
a couple years ago when I was watching Password during COVID, uh, I found he was oh, on yeah. Super Password. And he was very ornery. And so he's not afraid to, he's not very deferential to his hosts. And here's an example of that from the same interview. Excuse me for reminding me of the story. There, on Madison Avenue, somewhere in the 60s or 70s, there's a little shop that's been there for years. I assume it's still there. It's for polo gear. Have you ever seen it? And writing. Yeah. It's like polo mallets. It's on the polo mallets. Yeah. And I say, how can somebody make a living in New York City with a shop on Madison Avenue making just paraphernalia for polo players mm -hmm. and every time i'd go by i see nobody in there and for years and the last time i was in new york i'm not trying to top your story and i tore off a little piece of paper and i put a number on it and i walked in and i said number 42 <laughs> and the little man looks at me didn't laugh just looked at me and i felt like such an idiot <laughs> i was trying to actually do it fast and robinson yeah. 42 and the guy says Oh. So, you had to, you really had to be there, really there. Man, to see the shop and yeah, the no, no, there. I can tell why you. did why did no, I do that? I because you knew I had a better one. What? You knew I had a better one. You got and a better you, one. Yeah. Yes. Good. I I was Why didn't I just shut up and let the guests do I was in fine. No, 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 no. You set it up. I, I was in London. And I went into a liquor store to buy a bottle of Jack Daniels. And the uh, clerk didn't have any. He said, what is it? I said, well, it's an American bourbon. He said, ah, I have bourbon. And he bring, hands me a bottle of bourbon. I said, ah, that stuff's no good. I wouldn't wash my feet in that stuff. <laughs> and he said, I shall make a note of that, sir. Big laugh on that punchline. I'll make a note of that, sir, but number 67, with nobody in there, with one little man and no line, gets nothing. No, no, no. Now, are you, it's because you told it wrong. Why did I tell it wrong? Here's the way that story goes. First place, it took place in Nate Nalves out here in California. No. Yes. I did it. No, I did it in New York. No. You have to improve stories in order to get a good laugh out of them. Huh. Sort of like improving guests. I mean, okay. the analogy is similar right. to that, I suppose. Now, Nate Nowles, on a Sunday morning, is so crammed, mm -hmm. mostly with elderly Jews, right. that you can't move. And right. you have to have a number. Mm -hmm. So that this morning it was crammed, and so much so that a little man in the middle of the crowd fainted. And they they got him to the place. They said, "Get him, get him, Samaria, get him, get him!" They, they slapped his face. Wake up, wake up, wake up! And he says, "62." I got him. You see, that's the way you tell that. No, no, you're right. No, no. How many vote for the polo shop? And he said, I want a quarter coleslaw. That's the way you say it. So now I, no, I got it. Yeah, yeah. Is that in the book? No, that's not in the book. No. Okay, we'll be right back. A little awkward where he actually can't make the joke work, but uh, it, I thought that was an interesting dynamic. You know, I, I didn't, I never watched this clip. I thought I had watched all the Carson clips. Um, uh, wow. Well, you know, um, <laughs> 
<laughs> well, do you go first. Do you have something to say about that? No, I, that's oh, it. Okay. It's just an interdynamic, and I thought yeah. he was going to make the joke better. Like I was waiting, right. and then no, he actually he, yeah. it was it was well, worse. Um, I thought the joke was fine, by the way. I think Carson Carson's overplayed. Yeah. Carson's joke did get a laugh, and I think right. he overplayed that it didn't. I must say, I didn't get Johnny's joke. You didn't? He at walks first. into an empty store pretending. Oh, at first, you got at it now. First. Okay. And when he explained Black Baskin Robbins, then. Oh, okay. Then it, it's also funnier when you watch because uh, Carson holds up a ticket like he I has see, a hand. So yes, you kind of oh, get it a little more yeah, when you're watching. Yeah, I see. Right, right, right. Oh, that is good. Yeah. But this is, um, you know, yeah, I I love these. It, it, there are many interviews he seems to have done where that get awkward like this, but especially with Carson and Letterman. And it seems that I guess you have some. I have a I have a Letterman one that's awkward as well. So, um, but you know, what's funny is that I, that's why they wanted him on. Yes. Yes. That's right. right. I mean, that's what he had this. I mean, when I had remembered him being a featured guest on Letterman often, uh, and I had not before I went down this rabbit hole, like really seen him. I don't, I hadn't remembered him on Carson, but I was fascinated by how it's a very similar relationship with the two of them. And that he kind of continued after Carson, he continued that kind of shtick with Letterman. And clearly they both liked having him on for that reason. He was a kind of like unpredictable wild card guest that the audience would love to see the tension between them and at times like i remember like one of the early clips i said oh my god johnny will never have him on again and then i saw the later one and in some clips johnny is very uh, affectionate with him and clearly very warm very uh, uh friendly with him so i think he they kind of like they kind of knew he's doing this bit that tony randall does yeah <clears throat> Uh, yeah, so most of the letter, many of the Letterman clips are visuals. They're him, like just making a cameo appearance during some other bit where there's Tony Randall in the back room uh, making a face. So a lot of the Letterman stuff isn't good for a podcast. But here's uh, an interesting uh, interview, and this is something that uh, is a is a I think something that Tony Randall could get canceled. First of all. He could get canceled for a couple of things. He married a 23-year-old, which we'll get to, 25-year-old. And then uh, this clip as well. Uh, My next guest, uh, ladies and gentlemen, my first guest actually is an actor, a patron of the arts, a man of fine taste. And I understand moments ago backstage, he goosed one of our staff members. He will be appearing this Sunday at Lincoln Center in an homage to Stravinsky. Please welcome Mr. Tony Randall. Nice to see you. It's a very nice sport jacket. Thank you. Now, is it true? Did you did you actually sneak up behind somebody backstage? Yes, I did. Now, why did who was it and why did you do it? Well, don't mention. I don't the name. know her name. Yeah, but why did you do it? It was there. <laughs> I didn't goose. I pinch. Oh, I see. What would be the difference? When you pinch, you use two fingers and you gather some flesh. <laughs> yeah. And, and and what about the other? You use only one finger. And and the rest is history. As <laughs> It's uh, well. I didn't. I didn't realize there was that big a difference. Oh yes. Oh yes. Now, now, how did the how did the person react? I'm I'm sure she slapped you silly. She asked me to marry her. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Of course she did. <laughs> was she uh, Was she embarrassed? Was she surprised? No. She turned and faced me with her mazupas. And, uh, <laughs> 
and <laughs> dared me to proceed. Oh, good Lord, really? <laughs> yes. Well, maybe I should have the name yes. of this person then. Yes. All right. uh, now, last time you were here, you were mm -hmm. pushing this wine, this like $4 a bottle of wine that mm. just, you just got in a crate of it off the dock mm -hmm. somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and tonight, I understand you're here to plug something else. You did it already. Well, let's get it out of the way. Let's yeah. just be upfront about it and take care of it. Sure. Uh, Sunday night, I'm appearing uh, in the Noel Stravinsky program, as you said, at Tully Hall up at the Lincoln Center, mm -hmm. 65th and Broadway. Mm -hmm. What will be the nature of the presentation? Well, it'll be all Stravinsky in my part of it. Uh, he wrote a work for orchestra and actors mm -hmm. called L'Histoire du Soldat, mm -hmm. the soldier's story. The soldier's story. And uh, I played the devil in it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Do you have a little devil suit that you wear? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a real actor doesn't need artificial uh, accoutrements, any aids to the uh, imagination. Uh -huh. He can he can make an audience think anything he wants to think. So, what will you be wearing in your part as the devil? I have this red suit with horns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, and will you? <laughs> And will you, will you be running through this auditorium filled with classical music buffs goosing people or pinching people? Any chance I get. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Well, I think it's a felony, isn't it? You can't no, just assault no. somebody like that. No, no, it's not a felony. Okay, now are you... No. <laughs> <laughs> not a felony, maybe, but... Uh... Not, not appropriate. <laughs> um, I mean, he, he did wear On the Odd Couple in a season one. There's no film yes. they get trapped. Yes, the, that's the season one finale, the... Um... Uh, when they're all dressed up for Halloween or He's something. He's wearing a devil costume. Yes. Yes, yeah. Um, that's the only Letterman clip I, I were yeah. going to play. No, that's a, that's a good one. He, yeah. you know, Tony does, uh, I remember uh, other clips I've seen interviews from other shows. I remember, I forget which, I can't remember which show, but there's a show from the 70s where he's telling, like, a, trying to get away with a really dirty joke. Um, he seems to, he, there is a very perverted thing about him that he loves to, like, get away with stuff like that. Like the I think, kissing Ed McMahon on the lips. Like, he likes to, he clearly likes to push the censorship. I, one reason he was on Letterman a lot, from my recollection, I read this somewhere, is that yeah, because he lived in New York, he was always available. Yes. So whenever somebody would cancel or right. snowstorm, I mean, I think there was a snowstorm once and they couldn't get right. the guest and then he would show up. Right. I'm glad you mentioned that, Ted, because uh, that reminds me of uh, a wonderful interview he i remember him doing uh on the the one-time show later with bob costas yes nbc show which we used to air after letterman yes it did when we were in college i remember watching many late nights in college staying up watching it and uh, until recently it was on youtube i watched it at some point where we were doing the podcast and silly me i should have like taped it recorded it or ripped it right then because now it's gone and it's weird because like it's the only bob costas show that is not on youtube it's like <laughs> there's a million clips of, of of later with bob costas with various guests and for some reason the tony randall clip was taken down so it's not like an all-out copyright purge it's i guess the one user who posted that might have quit youtube or something but if anyone has it uh it, it, it's a great interview it's um and one of the one of the things i like one of the things i learned from it which is pretty much what you just said that he talked uh costas asked mentions that what you are you are like a perennial talk show guest and have have been for years and he says yes that's right i've always been uh and it's because i live in new york and i was always someone especially in the days when carson and a lot of the shows taped out of new york 
I could be there. <laughs> I was around and available because he wasn't, you know, working. He wasn't off shooting movies. He stayed in New York whenever he could. He wasn't, you know, flying around the globe. And uh, this is actually alluded to. I've mentioned this movie before. The King of Comedy, Scorsese's yeah. King of Comedy. Yeah. Features a Tony Randall cameo. Yeah, that could have been a, a clip for this, but um, where it's this exact setup, right? King of Comedy is about a Tonight Show kind of show where Jerry Lewis plays Jerry Langford, the, the Johnny Carson kind of host, with Fred DeCordova playing his producer. It's so it's the Tonight Show as if it were in the, still in New York in 1980 and uh, or 81. And what happens, of course, in the plot, Spoils, partial spoiler, if you've never seen this movie, this great movie, is Robert De Niro plays an obsessed fan who who's, needs, who's dying to get on The Tonight Show. And because he can't get on with his act, he kidnaps the host. And uh, the ransom is that he must be allowed to go on to do a stand-up. So what happens when the host is kidnapped, um, they need a new guest host. And who do they get? But Probably Tony get Randall. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie in a while, so and I forgot Tony that. Tony Randall is in a scene. It's toward the end of the movie. Scorsese is in the scene as the direct, playing the director of the, the TV director, which is another fun thing about the scene. Um, and you see him getting his makeup together and reading the cue cards and complaining about it. And, and then sure enough, you see him do the opening, uh, start the opening monologue the way Johnny Carson would out in front of the curtain. But he's only on for like, 30 seconds because he has to give the stage now to De Niro's character. Well, why don't we play? I have, I found the clip. Why right. don't we play it? Right. Let's go. Sad news for you. Turn the car. Come on. Turn the car. Tony, I have some sad Tony. news. Did you want to see me? Bert, have you seen this stuff? I've gone over with the writers. I think it's fine. You think this is fine? My writing staff was executed in Central Park by the network firing squad. That's good. I think it's good. You're laughing at that? That's very good. Do me a favor. Do it, please. Why exactly, do I have to say this stuff? Exactly as it's written. It'll play for us. It'll be good for you. Trust me. You're the director. Can you help me? Yeah, take the tissues out of your collar and let's go. Right in a few more minutes. Let's go. Be sure to turn the cards fast, you understand? Are you listening to me? Turn yes, the cards yes, yes. fast. Okay. And now, direct from New York, it's the Jerry Langford Show with guest host Tony Randall and his special guests, Shelley Winters, Thor Vidal, Tony Bennett, as always, Lou Brown and the orchestra, and little old me, Ed Hurley. And now, say hello to Tony! I have some sad news for you. Aww. Earlier today, my writing staff was executed in Central Park by the network firing squad. <laughs> so there will be no sensational Randall monologue this evening. No embarrassing display of emotion, please. Instead, we're going to do something a little bit different this evening. A lot different, if you ask me. We're going to give you a glimpse, turn it over please, thank you, <laughs> into the future. It isn't often that you can call someone a sure thing in the entertainment business. After all, the verdict is always in your hands, isn't it? But I think tonight, after you've met... <laughs> my first guest, 
You'll agree with me that he's destined for greatness in one way or another. So will you please give your warmest greetings to the newest king of comedy, Rupert Pupkin. Sad news for you, turn the car. That's, Come on, the car. hold on. Go ahead. Thank you, Ted. That's uh, for for getting that so quickly. Uh, you know, I'd forgotten the cue cards bit, which is so Tony Randall. Yeah. He, I must be ad-libbing that, you know, he's being uh, a diva. And do you know who plays the director in that scene? I just told you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Didn't I say that? On I think you probably did. I was probably paying oh, attention. You were to pretty busy well, getting the clip. Who yes. plays the director in that? Scene? You say it. <laughs> Scorsese, Martin Scorsese himself. I mean, sorry. One of his famous cameos. Yes. Yeah. He likes to do that, like Hitchcock. And did you notice who was playing the producer? Yes, Fred de Cordova. You that yeah. I heard that I did hear okay. you say. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I also and, love the guest lineup is such a classic 70s. Yes. <laughs> There's Gore Vidal and Tony Bennett. And Ed Hurley, he was a real oh. person and he's playing himself. Yeah, he was a real. He happens to have the first same first name as Ed McMahon. Yes, right. And looks a little Ed McMahon-ish. Yeah, Yeah. right, right. It's such a, it's one of my favorite movies, not aside from that, but it's actually, that's the turning, that's like the climax of the film in a way. So it's amazing that Tony Randall is in it as himself. Um, which okay so i was talking about the bob costas interview can i say a yes, little more about that please uh because i remember well i did watch it sometime a few years ago but i always remembered it it's a great interview it's only one he, he sometimes costas did like more than one night but i think this was just one 30 minute interview but they go well cover a lot of ground uh they talk about the talk shows they talk about he does talks a lot about uh the, the old movies he did with rock hudson and doris day and jane mansfield he talks about them as stars uh for people interested in that phase of his career uh he, they also talk i don't know if they talk about but they show a it's clearly promoting or during the making of the reunion show that we oh, just talked about so this, nine, this, yeah. uh this is around 1990 yeah, okay uh, the at uh, this interview and it would have it was around the time uh, i forget how much they talk about i guess he sets up the clip because they play a clip and as one of our Facebook followers actually mentioned, he attributed it to a Letterman show, but I think he was talking about this one. They actually show Felix running in a marathon. Well, the film's 93, so this can't oh, be 1990. Okay. Oh, but you know, here's the thing. Um, right, the clip they show does not, I think does not end up in the final reunion show, or it's this part of it. Remember I read you Gary Marshall's original scenario yes which involved which was a totally different storyline and involved felix running in the marathon and they and tony randall brought this clip on to the bob costa show of him out by the plaza hotel around you know central park and actually while the marathon was going on like joining it just for one block so they could film it and um so yeah i think it was before it was finished i think he just was kind of promoting it as it was in process and one of the things i learned researching that that reunion show is that it actually the project got stalled and changed you know when gary marshall left and the new writer came so it seems to have it took a few years and especially was delayed probably by klugman's uh, condition so i guess so i'm not 100 percent sure of the timing of all that but that's another interesting thing on that show and finally the one clip i would have loved to have played which i was <laughs> I think I may have alluded to it earlier, but he, uh, Tony Randall gives, when talking about The Odd Couple, uh, they spent about a good five or ten minutes on The Odd Couple, and that is one instance where he 
Costas asks him if he's like Felix Unger, and he denies that and goes to a lot of tries to prove that. And the other thing he says about the outcome is he gives the most clear picture of how Gary, how central Gary Marshall was to every episode, and that Gary Marshall is the true auteur of the show. And this is something we we come we come across in all the interviews and stuff where the scripts would change a lot and all that. But he the way that that Felix the way that Tony Randall tells it, and I'm quoting almost from memory exactly. He'd say, you know, every Monday we'd get a script and it was not good or it was a, it was not up to our standards, and we didn't know what to do, and we just felt this was not not how not good enough and then finally by tuesday or wednesday we would know that gary's gonna come and gary will solve it and fix it and he did and this was like the most uh compliment most uh, most praise i've ever seen tony give gary marshall on credit basically saying it, gary would come in and fix it and change what had to be changed and made the show what it was so i think you know i've never seen anyone on the show like put it that succinctly so I found that interesting as well. That aired, I actually found the air date, September 14th, 1989. Oh, wow. So that reunion, yeah, that reunion clip would have been, that would have been very early. Last thing I just want to say about the talk show stuff is it is interesting that I think it's like one of his, it makes Tony Randall, Tony Randall's greatest role was Tony Randall, you could say. Yes. That he, ha- and not, not to say that the person you see on these TV shows is the way he really was in in his private life, but he clearly had, he created a a Tony Randall persona that would be goofy, that would be provocative, uh, that would be very esoteric and correct people's, very Felix-like, you know, correcting their pronunciation or full of uh, trivia facts or uh, snobbery about certain things. And so, but I'm always aware watching these clips that he has created this persona. And that's the persona I think that Carson Letterman liked. But is guest. it a is it a persona or is it just him? I think it's him. I don't know. Well, not having known him, it's hard to say. But and, and I think people who know him say he was like that in public settings. But he strikes me as the kind of actor performer who was always performing. And it, it, I wonder whether anyone felt they really knew the real. Are you saying at home he didn't like opera and was a slob? No, no, no. I don't mean those. I don't mean. Um, his tastes. I just mean, the, the, it's unnatural. He's not very natural and relaxed on these interviews. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, he's I always on. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So now we're going to move on to the Dean Martin roast of Tony and Jack. So uh, this is from '73. To take a little step back, the so the Dean Martin show was on NBC for ten years, eleven years, sorry, nine years, sixty-five to seventy-four. Uh, the roast became a segment later in the run, very late in the run. And as the ratings for the show slowed down and Dean Martin got a little tired of it, NBC decided to just do roasts from time to time, which actually became very successful. And those lasted another 10 years. Uh, These are based on the Friar Club roasts where they have a dais and they have eight or 10 roasters who are celebrities. uh, And then a woman or man of the hour would be how they would describe it. So this is from 73. So on the roast, it's not a great panel. Some of the classic people who roast in the yeah. D. Martin roast uh, are not there. Like um, not the A-listers. Yeah, like Foster Brooks' character wasn't there. Orson Welles, a fantastic roaster. I watched last Thanksgiving. There was a marathon of them. Mm. Uh, he was just great. This is not a great list. 
Leonard Barr, of course, famous for, for being the odd couples there. Gary Berghoff, it's also random. Ruth Buzzy, who was played a character who was a great roaster, but doesn't play that character here. Jack Carter, Mike Connors, who I love, of course, because he's Mannix, <laughs> but not roaster. Doug Kershaw, I don't even know who that is. Uh, I just realized that I um, have that name here. And um, he was a, sorry, I'm looking up. He was a fiddle player. I, I don't, I'm not familiar with that. Oh, and we should mention, I mean, my interest in this also was because not only Lennon Barr, but Jack Carter also. Of course, you're right. He was on the other couple. couple. Yes, yes, yes. Both uh, Leonard and Jack Carter were prominent, well, were in season five, which was after this. Yes. So I, I like kind of like the feel like this is like they kind of got, even though Leonard Barr was also seen in season one. Yes, one the twice. Clips, right, or two of the film clips. Um, they clearly knew who he was early, but it's almost like, as you'll see in this performance that they enjoy so much, they kind of like wanted him on the show more after this. But I'm not playing Jack Carter because he was not good on this oh, roast. Not, not uh, Loretta Lynn. <laughs> now, so well, you get the feeling these roasts also were like, it was like a chance for any celebrity to just get on TV. Yes, like, but they were funny or not, they would write their jokes for them. And... As someone who now feels like they're a bit of an expert on these roasts because of binging so many of them last thanksgiving this is a c-list roaster category not that loretta Lynn isn't a major star and no, there's not maybe, as a comedian right Right. maybe she was a special she was promoting an oh yeah red buttons is not on this yeah red buttons uh, also is not on this right yes yes right those are the those are the a-list guys now this is early in the run of roasts oh. the, the roasts that came 75 76 77 that may be where it became a bigger event and they focused on getting those stars. So that may be part of the reason why. It's, I don't think it's about Jack and Tony. I think it's about the timing. By the way, this was not ABC. This is NBC. Right. So isn't that interesting that because they're, they're yes. roasting Jack and Tony. That's true. Clearly as a promotion for the odd couple. Yes, which I guess the other role, I mean, Lucille Ball was a roasting guest. Yeah, I don't think they... Well, NBC. maybe not the network is promoting it, but clearly they're plugging the odd couple on... Mm -hmm. Yes, That's I don't the think the reason they are the guests. Right? Yes, well, I think you know NBC got something out of it, and the right. network that they were promoting. So it's kind of like you know trading. Sure, they got the talent and the promote the network that they're promoting got the got the promotion. Uh, one of the best roasters we're going to play, I've never heard of, the jockey, yeah, named Lafit Pinkay Junior. Lafit Pinkay. <laughs> Is I that remember, how you? I, I, oh, that's how they pronounce it. My fault. I I used to oh, watch you, horse racing with my father. Oh oh. You, I learned didn't. the names of some jockeys and the feet pink eye. Yeah. Uh, Soupy Sales, who I've never found entertaining, mm -hmm. and Jackie Vernon, another like a Borscht Belt mm -hmm. comic. All right. So let's start with Dean Martin's introduction. And Dean Martin is usually pretty good at this, you know, a little sloshed as usual. <laughs> Jack Klugman and Tony Randall, the stars of The Odd Couple. <laughs> Even though these two have personality differences, they're inseparable. Wherever Tony goes, Jack goes, even if he doesn't have to go. <laughs> the 
They both have different interests. Tony is the cultural one, and Jack is the notorious gambler. The other evening, Tony coaxed Jack into going with him to the ballet Swan Lake, and Jack bet $2 on one of the fairies to place. <laughs> Tony, Tony is the neatest guy in the world. They say he presses his pants three times a day. Last week, he took his wife dancing. The crease in his pants were so sharp, he shaved her legs. <laughs> Jack, there's a lot of your friends here and admirers who couldn't be here tonight, and uh, but they've sent some telegrams, and I'd like to read some of them to you now. The first one, dear Jack and Tony, congratulations and best wishes from one odd couple to another, signed Raquel Welch. <laughs> Here's another one for Tony from Howard Cosell. Dear Tony, next time you come to my house, try and remember it's okay with me if you want to sweep the dirt under my rug, but not while I'm wearing it. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> not, not a great deal. I think Did... what, this was one of the few attempts to actually uh, incorporate the, the odd couple itself into the jokes. Most of the jokes are just random Yes. About anyone. Yes, that's right. Uh, so it, it's kind of a letdown for odd couple fans in, in that way. All right, here's how do you say his name? The jockey? Lafitte Pinkai. Anybody who knows Jack Klugman knows he loves to bet on the horses, and all he does is lose. In fact, he's the biggest loser since Mickey Rooney paid $10 to see Last Tango in Paris and ended up sitting behind Will Chamberlain. <laughs> Out of respect for Jack's love of horse racing, we have with us the number one jockey in America today, Lafitte Pinkai Jr. Please excuse me, I just came from work. Where's <laughs> Mr. Martin? Uh, I want to tell you how much I look up to you. <laughs> Of course, I look up to everybody. When they asked me here tonight to honor these two well-known gentlemen, I had a problem. I didn't know which is Clubman and which is Randall. <laughs> you see, when you race around the track behind a bunch of horses all day long, it's hard to tell one actor from another. <laughs> Clubman is a sloppy one. So I think that must be Clubman. Because whenever he comes into this table, the horses open the windows. And the other guy, Randall, I'm not too crazy about him either. But since he got drunk, tried to have me bronze and put me on the front lawn. Mr. Clubman, I know you love to bet on horses, but do me a favor. Don't bet on the horses I ride, or I'll never have another winner. 
All I can say is, if Jack Clawman was a horse, he'd be scratched. <laughs> So the beginning of that joke, I don't know if it was or the beginning of his, he's wearing a jockey outfit and he says, sorry, yes. I just came from work. That's the joke. So, but, so you hear Klugman and Randall laughing in there. Yes. Klugman's laugh, he uses on the odd couple. Right. Yes. That laugh. Yes. That Tony Randall laugh. Just, <laughs> it's just not. It's, it's kind it's, of, remember, in this case, reminded me of when Felix is crying sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not a laugh that we see. I feel like that's not the Felix Unger laugh, but Jack Klugman's laugh is Jack Owen's laugh. All right, next is um, Leonard Barr. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Leonard Barr. Thank you very much, Dean. Nice to be here honoring two great guys. Uh... <laughs> interrupt to say he's taking out a piece of paper because he doesn't know who they are. That's the joke. Tony Randall and Jack Klugman. I know Tony from 20 years back. I never forget a suit. Jack, hey, you look better since your face cleared up. You guys are great. I watch your show every morning. <laughs> Tony's a leading man. You realize he can get any girl he pleases? So far, he hasn't pleased anybody. <laughs> He's doing great. After all these years, he finally got his footprint in front of Grandma's Chinese Theater. He was sitting on a curb and a bus ran over his feet. <laughs> Jack, you're doing okay, too. You're all right. They just made a movie of his life, A Naked and the Dead. He played both parts. wife, two beautiful children. The kids call him daddy and he believes it. <laughs> Jack, is a little... Oh, he's a little embarrassed today. He walked into the department and says, what do you have in a man's suit for a body like mine? She said, my deepest sympathy. <laughs> That's that's pretty good. Yeah. We should also mention we forgot that one of uh, of uh, Leonard Barr's claim to fame is that he's Dean Martin's he, uncle. Yes, that's right. Which they don't mention on the show, but or maybe they do at the end. I think. I think actually, we're going to play Tony oh, okay. and Jack. They they may mention it, but that's right. We we talked about that when we t first talked about Leonard Barr. A late bloomer in his. Career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so those are the three. Those are the three best, in my opinion, which I think, and they're not great. No, this is not a great roast. Um, 
By the but, way, are we getting on YouTube? I know that uh, it's like these are the cut versions as opposed uh, to the uncut. Uh, they're probably cut. I, I, but I mean, I, 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 I doubt they cut the good stuff. Yeah, I don't think they cut the good stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, um, there's, there's just not great. It, the, the classic roasters, as, as we said, are just not on the not on the dais. So um, and now here's Tony and Jack. Now it's time to welcome the two guys. <laughs> okay. It's time to welcome two guys who are known to America as the odd couple. Ladies and gentlemen, our men of the week, Tony Randall and Jack Plugman. So very, very much. All right. No, but we have had a wonderful time. I've enjoyed it, haven't you? No. 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 Oh, be school. Come on. What I would like to say, you'd have to put on his best as cue cards. I'm really burned oh, up with all No, no, no. These people were nice enough to invite us here to be roasted. You know what, Tony? We're mm. working too hard. I thought you said they were gonna toast us. No, no. <laughs> they said some very, very funny things about you. About the funny things they said about you. Bunch of jealous actors doesn't bother me. <laughs> Listen, Tony, I didn't come here to be insulted by a jockey. I never want a better one. Never want a better one. Now, which one is the jockey? The fat fellow or the washed-up ball player? And washed-up ball player. Ooh, you're thinking of Chuck Connors. That's Mike Connors. How can you tell them apart? <laughs> All these wonderful people who honored us tonight. Ruth Buzzy. Shoo, that was something, wasn't it? Don't, don't underrate, underestimate this girl's talent without. She's the one who made laughing what it is. Yeah, cancel. <laughs> Does it not titillate your ego? That Barry Gerghoff came oh, here tonight? Oh, whatever his name is. Who knows? Two years ago before MASH, he was just a poor unknown. Now he's a rich one. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like a Frank Gorshin imitation. Yeah. <laughs> that giant among comedians? Who? Among living comedians, Leonard Barr? Oh, now you go too far. Now, come on, Tony. You know the only reason he's here tonight is because he's Dean's uncle. No, don't put a man down like that. He'd have gone just as far in show business if he'd been Frank Sinatra's uncle. <laughs> Jack Carter. Oh, a man in whose honor 50 trees were uprooted in Israel. Well, you, couldn't, you said I couldn't say any drunk jokes about him. No, 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 no. Taste you lay off that stuff. It's it's ungentlemanly. It's unsporting. It's not fair to make fun of an unfortunate individual who is the victim of an affliction, the demon rum. <laughs> Excessive libation is a serious problem. I'm sure Dean will drink to that, huh? <laughs> Jack and I can't thank you enough, seriously, for this splendiferous tribute you've paid us this evening. It's an old maxim in show business. It's a truism and never truer than here tonight. The bigger they are, the nicer they are. Good, Good night, night, Shorty. shorty. <laughs>
So that was well, not too bad. Not too bad. I mean, you do get at least a kind of even without references to the show, a Felix and Oscar repartee. You know, they they kind of, it feels like we're listening to Felix and Oscar Repart uh, Speaking of correcting people's words, isn't it repartee? Um, yes, that we do. Too. There is there is a bit of banter between them. It feels a little forced because they're obviously reading yes. off of cue cards. Um, but overall, it's just, it's a good, fun, odd coupley thing to have, even if it's not tremendously entertaining. Certainly part of the cultural history of the show. Yes. Um, all right, so let's switch gears to advertisements. So we're going to play a series, four minutes of ads. Uh, that have multiple. Uh, there's multiple ads in this in this clip. Some are uh, Jack separate and Tony separately, and then there's a bunch of their Eagle snack ads. And we'll talk about what our takeaways of them after we play uh, these ads. Ever feel plain lousy? Now you can drop these in water and wait, or you could take a bromo seltzer. You see, Bromo's in there right now, going to work, while these are still fizzing. And when you hurt, even a little bit, time counts. So why wait? Take a Bromo when you don't have the time to feel bad. Alas, sometimes even Tony Randall has little time to cook. But look, you make a meal sauces from Hunt's. Delicious, ready-to-use sauces for Mexican and Italian cooking and made with the Hunt's tomato. Tonight, tacos with Make-A-Meal Mexican. No, spaghetti with Make-A-Meal Italian. Precisely seasoned. Just heat and serve. Mmm, delicious. Wait till you taste my tacos. Make-A-Meal sauces, Italian or Mexican. New from Hunt. New St. Joseph aspirin-free tablets for adults. Maximum strength, pain relief. What's so different about that? I'll tell you what, it's the first maximum strength aspirin-free pain reliever with tamper indicators outside and 40 individually safety sealed tablets inside, sealed for you and your family's protection. So when you want maximum strength pain relief, get new St. Joseph aspirin-free tablets for adults. It's fast relief with safety first. Tony! Candlelight, wine, everything is beautiful except... Except? That filthy oven. We've got to clean it right now. Now? The, the fumes, the mess. We'll use the new Easy Off oven pads. It cleans with no fumes, less mess. How? It has concentrated Easy Off power. Watch. Just pierce, squeeze, and spread on the concentrated cleaner. No fumes. Later, wipe clean. Beautiful. Do you do this everywhere you go? Yes. Never clean an oven without improved Easy Off. New improved Easy Off spray with a new advanced grease penetrating formula lifts up baked on grime. It's a snap. New improved Easy Off spray. Never clean an oven without improved Easy Off. Come on, not another cooking class. Yes. Ah. You want to join us? Tonight's the fine art of snacking. No way. I'm just going to grab a handful of these Eagle Chips and run. You don't run while eating Eagle Chips. It's snacking elevated to its highest form. I'm elevating the chip now. Mmm, delicious. Oh, I gotta have some of those Eagle Honey Roast Nuts. Ah, oh, the sweet crunchiness. Why don't you stay for class? The delirious. I'm gonna take some for later. Gotta go. Hi, we're here. Hi. When does class begin? Eagle snacks. Everyone loves them. What are you doing, Jack? I'm posing for the Eagle Holiday Nut Display. What are you supposed to be, Scrooge? Where's the charm? Give me the Eagle Honey Roast Peanuts. Now watch me. Now give me the Eagle Lightly Salted Peanuts. Love them. You have to sing. Now the new Maple Roast Nuts. Oh, I love them even more. Perfect pyramidal form. Now the charm. We're ready. No, we're not. Cinnamon Roast. You're making a new Eagle Nuts. 
I'll give you schools bar humbug. Ready. Catch. Look for the Eagle Holiday Nut Display at your store. I'm about to ask a real video brief, which will score more points. Eagle's new nacho cheese tortilla chips or the other leading brand. Jack? You're not paying attention to me, Jack. Now you have to try the other leading brand. Jack, I know you like Eagles better, but you have to try them both, you geek. Will you pay attention to me? Don't let this happen to you. You Eagle Nacho Cheese, you're gonna love them. Beneath the laughter of the odd couple is the simple story of one person responding to another in time of need. Now when the people of war-torn Bosnia are in need, Symphony for United Nations is responding with a benefit concert at Carnegie Hall on Wednesday, September 29th. For information, call 1-800-530-0600, or you may write care of Symphony for United Nations, 205 West End Avenue, New York, New York, 10023. You can make a difference. All right, so um, I'm going to start with Jack. So I, I, I'm assuming the reason he's doing medical stuff is because of Quincy, that he has yeah, this right. gravitas and authority as a, a doctor. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. So <laughs> the Bromo and the St. Joseph's are, I assume, due to that sort of... Uh, By the way, the Bromo ad is like a, a dig at the Alka-Seltzer. Yes, yeah, right. right. They're the this competitor. other brand is still fizzing. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Tony then lead into, well, Felix, the cooking and cleaning and or, or, or his his persona as a cooking and cleaner. Um, he does. Obviously, I saw you make a face when he said you should try my tacos. <laughs> you're thinking that's a new window is an innuendo, I, I, but, which I don't even know what the innuendo would be. It just seemed strange. What's interesting is both the Hunt's ad and one of the oven off ads. He's with in a room of a young, much younger, yes. ironically yes. attractive woman. Right. You're not quite sure why they're together right. with the hunts. It looks like they're supposed to be married and he's right. making dinner for her, right. but she's much younger than him. Yeah. And in the oven off, it seems like he's a party guest, <laughs> but I don't believe Felix Unger would ever use hunts ready <laughs> yeah. for meal. Right. Ready it's for... funny. They're cashing in on the Felix persona, but yeah. Felix would never deign. That would be an Oscar food. thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like fast uh, uh, TV dinner kind of fast food. Now uh, you know um, yeah. he, uh, yeah, the one where he's there's another one where he's like shopping with the with the woman. Uh, it is they always pair him with a woman, but I can't tell whether he kind of has his persona. He's as is sometimes like the gay best friend, like the the man who can loves to cook and clean uh, and help the woman out. But as you say, it's also an implication that he's married to them. This is why his his why his first wife was still alive, I believe. So yeah, yes, uh, kind of weird. But uh, there's also another. You don't have the Minolta copier. No, I saw that ad. It just was such a visual. I didn't take yeah, it. It is such a visual. The only yeah. thing I'd noteworthy about it is the ad, it's the comes the closest to referencing the odd couple that um, he says like I'm not. I don't want to make a mess like you know who. Oh right, right, right. Um, now I don't exactly remember, or maybe I don't even, we don't even know how the Eagle, like how did Eagle come to get Jack and Tony to do their ads? I'm not sure. Well, what, what surprised me was that how many uh, were there from before the throat cancer. Right. I remembered the later ones where he, they had to do like a pen and Teller bit where he's the silent one. And, but they started it in the, by the late eighties. Yes. Um, uh, 
Yeah, and then they they when they were forced to find ways to not have Jack talk, they became very cheesy. The video game one, yeah, which is one we heard, is really stupid. It's just yeah. dumb. You zaps him. He zaps Felix and he just into the, and it, and Felix was on the TV, the then, right? Now he says, "Don't let this happen to you," which is an odd couple line. That he is, says a, that, that yeah. is a shout out. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so if they just get re- and there's a lot more of them online. They just a they get a little sad, honestly, with Jack the way they try to dance around him and. Jack is still trying to be Jack just looks older than feel than Tony Randall by this time. And it just, it, they're a little sad. So, and they're also very visual because Jack's not talking. Even um, though they are, Jack is, I think a couple of years younger, but he, he's not hiding it. And Tony Randall always groomed his appearance to be as, look as young as possible. Now in the last thing, which is a PSA for Bosnia, this is the quote. Beneath the laughter of the odd couple is a simple story of one person responding to another in time of need. It sure. is on November thirteenth. Felix Under was oh, uh, well, all right. Well, you know what? To turn. I, I honestly, you may now. I was thinking that was a ridiculous line, but now that you point that out, because I actually hadn't thought about that. I, I do guess think I get it now. To compare that to the suffering of the yes. Balkans War, yes, uh, the, uh, late but I do now understand why there may be some legitimacy in that statement. I honestly couldn't think of that <laughs> until you said it. All right. By the way, interesting uh, 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 resonance of how ironic that uh, twenty years later the Matthew Perry odd couple would get in trouble for for oh yes fun of the Srebrenica massacre. That's that's a good. That's an interesting point. All right, that's all I have to say so in the ad. I guess some, yes, well, please. One okay, so we apologize that we many do. fans. I do. I apologize. Many fans, when they think of the ads, might remember the Yahtzee ad. Oh right, which was filmed, I believe, on the set. It was like these are from before seventy-five, sometime during the run of the show, or at least were filmed on a set similar to made made to look like the Odd Couple set, where. And I, it's been a long time since I've seen this. I wonder if anyone has video of this, but one of them is Felix coming home with, say, hey, Oscar, we're going to play Yahtzee now or something for some reason. I don't know why would they play Yahtzee, but I also could be confusing that they may have even done another product that involved the set of the show. Wait, but, uh, so are you apologizing because we don't have a clip of it? Well, I'm a, I can't apologize. It's not our fault. They're not on YouTube. So I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, uh television ads for this you okay. you do apparently yes i remember print ads and as i'm looking it up i remember that the yahtzee game had a picture of them on the yes, on, on, the cover. on the box right but i didn't remember i didn't even look for them because i did not remember that was a thing yeah absolutely uh i would stake my something on it um i believe you i just yeah. but it's, it's fun that, that doesn't it's not someone's preserved that on youtube yeah, uh, but that would be they were actually like in costume and on the set or an approximation of this uh, a simulation of the reproduction of the set and I would have aired closer to the time of the show. So that's a shame. That's, and they also did ads for Nescafe and on YouTube, you can hear a very crackly audio of their Nes, one of their Nescafe ads from the 70s. So actually they did. Be, it's amazing, like not only during the show, but for two decades after they were doing ads basically cashing in on the uh the the characters to some right and, and not and 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 not just these characters as as 
Jack Hogan was cashing in on Quincy, it, it would have seemed. Right, right. Um, yeah, there's probably a lot of ads. There's definitely a lot of ads we didn't get to. Um, I did not remember Yahtzee. Minolta is another one. Um, and what was the one you just said? Nescafe. Nescafe, which I also don't remember. So clearly there's a lot out there. Yeah, we're just, as I, we said, scratching the surface. There's so many. There's so, they, they were so prevalent in TV after the show, it's hard to capture it all. Uh, but before the show, as a segue, here's, a, here's the earliest clip we have which is the Mike Douglas show, uh, 1970. Now I want to say something about this. This is a visual part. So Jack Klugman is not wearing a toupee in the, on the Mike Douglas show. And there's on Password, uh, on a, some episodes, he's not wearing a toupee. And I would just find it interesting that this, yeah. that he, who, he has a toupee clearly in every show because he's obviously balding. And I think there's Twilight Zones where he's balding. I just found it interesting that there were times he would not wear a toupee on television. I think especially early, especially around this time. Yes, yeah. The toupee became more permanent once he did the odd couple. But I, I, the password in- was after, I think the password was maybe after. Okay. What would you say? You've seen him what? Uh, I, I've seen him in some of his TV or film in the late 60s. He's bald. I think he, like that's when he started really balding. Yes. And it took him a while to really adopt a permanent toupee. Do you remember... I don't know if we played that part of the clip, but you remember the Dick Cavett show we had him on and we yes. played the clip because of the throat he, when he first yes. had throat cancer? Yes. A little, we may not have played that whole part of the interview, but a little later in that interview, he talks about his toupee. Oh, no. I think I he didn't. also goes on, he goes on without the toupee there, but he has a comb over. They actually talk about it and he goes on and on about how much he loves his odd couple toupee. <laughs> oh, I wish I had gotten that now. Maybe we can, maybe we can shove that in at the end or something. Okay. Um, all right, here's so here's this is a five minute clip of um, both of them on the Mike Douglas show. The last time you were here, you had begun a new series, it, it wasn't on the air mm-hmm. at that point. Things going all right, you still enjoying yourself doing the odd couple? Yes, I remember uh, that was pretty recently when I was here with you, and we'd already made about 10 or 12 of them. Mm-hmm. I remember saying to you that they were throwing their arms around us and kissing us and saying. Thank you for giving us the biggest hit we've ever had, and it wasn't on the air yet, and and I I was worried about it. Well, now now we're on the air, and uh, I must say that uh, that I'm proud of the way things are going. I read some great reviews. I, uh, the reviews read as if they were written by Jack Klugman's mother and and me. <laughs> They're almost too good to be true. But it's based on the Neil Simon play. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. It's terribly funny. I, I am proud of it. So let's bring out your better half, Tony, shall we? I pronounced your name Klugman, and you like... Yeah, I always say Klugman, but the correct pronunciation is Klugman. Klugman. Klugman, which is a smart man. But uh, Are you, Jack? He's a brilliant man, isn't he? Yes. He's a brilliant, extraordinarily well-educated man who affects a rough exterior. That's true. The heart of gold. Not really. No, I'm not really Thank you, Tony. I'm not you, really very bright. You want you want to see this audience come to life? You, where where are you from, Jack? South Philadelphia. <laughs> and I want to tell you, it's the best place in the world to come from. <laughs> Have you two ever worked together before um, this series? Yeah, once. Uh, where in the play? No, it was a, something for Fred. Coe. A summer replacement for Philco Live Television. Oh, oh, those were the days. And uh, yeah, we were they a, ever? We did a comedy. Mm-hmm. Played a gangster, and then he played. I played a, a man building a house, as I remember, and you 
The gangster came and hid out in the frame of the house, something like that. Twenty years ago. You both had done the odd couple on stage before. But not oh, together. Yeah, not That's together, right. but you had done it. Oh, well. Jack played it for a year in London. Where yeah, I opened it in London. For he was the American ambassador to London. It got the best reviews an American play has gotten there in 40 years. They don't really like American products. They they mm. call them... No, they don't. The musicals They, they call them... Well, even then, they if they come over right away, if they're stalled, they, th they say, you're treating us like a stepchild. And they always talk like, they say, machine-made comedies. They don't really appreciate them, but a couple. We played, we toured. We went up to Manchester and Leeds. And it's what North Country up there, and everyone, not many people came, but those that did come loved it. It was so identifying. Tony, you play Felix Unger, and uh, Jack plays uh, uh, Oscar, Madison. Oscar Madison. Would you describe each other's characters for us? Mm. Well, I describe his, and you describe Jack's. To me, it's uh, he's the the Jewish mother <laughs> who's always doing the right thing but it infuriates you because you don't want it done but they're doing it for your good that's right. <laughs> it's that it's that i had a, a story once my mother blessed her soul is 88 years old and lives here in philadelphia tell them the thing me. your mother said to you that that time that, that we bar we borrowed the line in the last show we shot oh why don't oh, you yeah. once i wanted to go out when i was a kid i was about 15 or 16 and i had a date but i wasn't feeling well and she didn't want me to go out and i had it was a big date and i had to go so I tried, I had to get out, and I went, and she said, no, no, you can't. I said, Ma! She said, go ahead, hit me, you've done everything else. <laughs> you know what, you know what that does? That guilt starts here. <laughs> but I must say, in case you will say that she's the most marvelous lady. I went through six children she raised. All proud. I'm proud of everyone. Well, I'm the baby. And the baby? Are you? Well, she's 88. She'll be 88. My uh, my oldest brother is about 63 now, I guess, or so. You're the baby. You describe uh, Jack's character, okay? He um he's a very troubled, extraordinarily sensitive man, who covers his uh his anxieties and guilts and and feelings of incompletion with a compulsive sloppiness and humor. He's not a slob. He just shoves everything that's troubling him in life into one great pile. <laughs> I love that. Have you seen the bedroom I'm living in? It's a big pile. But it, it's on the surface. Underneath, he's a... It's just his way of shuffling off his problems, and his trouble. He just throws things and doesn't look at them. But See, he's a very troubled man. Because that's where I am in life, too, because my wife says, you've got to stop throwing everything in one place. I am a slob, yeah. Fact, oh, you don't look sloppy at all. This reminds you how slow talk shows were in the 70s. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. All right. So I found that clip. Uh, this is Florence Henderson was on with, right. with Dick Cavett and Jack Klugman, and she's referring to something. I guess they were in some something together. So They were. No, no. What I remember they uh, were talking about how they were shooting Brady Bunch on the next lot. Oh, okay. They were from they shared like trailers or something, or dressing room, makeup rooms, dressing. Room. So they were those both shows were being shot on the lot at the same time. So they got to hang out. All right, I, I think I have a good enough of it. 
I, white eyelashes, like I do, if I don't wear false eyelashes. So there, Bob Reed and I in the mirror putting on mascara. He said, America's family. Yeah. <laughs> and then I don't know whether I put on the crew cut, and there's one that, like, if I let my hair grow as long as it is now, which will be cut soon, I'm able to fake it and push it forward. Yeah. Or I wear my hair piece, which looks like, which I like very much, by the way. It makes me look a little kind of. <laughs> it's nice. Why do you know why? I've been bald ever since I was a kid. And now, it's true, I think when I was born, I was born, I think I never got here. No, but now, no, no, I know that baloney, you know, oh yeah, you, if you don't have hair, you look sexy. I like it the way that conventional look when I have a lot of hair, and then I begin to believe it. I won't, you know how many times I have gone home from the studio with the hair, and I'm sure some psychiatrists would say that's what, because I wish it. I would go home with my hair, Forget to and then I'll go in the mirror at home, it would be a Aww. hotel, and I'll really pass by and believe it's me. I'll believe it's my hair. And I finally say, wait a minute, what happened? And I'll realize it's, I'll go home with a wig. I've got wigs, I've got And you think it's cuts. your real hair. I want it to be. Yeah. I want it to yeah. be my hair. Well, as a kid, did, did you suffer as a kid from having thin hair? Uh, I mean, did it really bother you? Got, did you worry about it? Did you think I girls I look younger you? now than I did 30 years ago, 20 years ago. That's the truth. And I was balder then, and somehow it, I just looked sick you and did, I was hungry. I, I saw you in Gypsy and I thought you were a lot older yeah. than you really are. I started old and I'm getting younger. <laughs> that's true. You, you sort of now, that sounds funny, but it's true. Found Shangri-La and you're getting younger all the time. But everything that we yeah, see on top of your head now is your own. Yes, this, well, you so. know, but I see if I show you what's really there, <laughs> it's a lot of covering, you see. <laughs> and I'm not, people, I'm not vain. I believe that Oscar Madison mm -hmm. would wear the wig. It's not me. I'm not vain about it and I never yeah. wear it outside. I would love to have the hair. I mean, I Why don't you get those transplants? Didn't you could do that. Joey Bishop had, had a transplant, didn't the, he? A lot of people. The Sinatra only way you could get me to do it if you told me Cary Grant had one. <laughs> that's why, why do I want to get one and look like Joey Bishop? <laughs>
And someone in some English record producer wanted to cash in on that, having these two stars and put together this album and uh, an excuse. It's a poor excuse for an album. It basically has uh, a, clearly Tony Randall was very into it. Uh, Jack Clinton can't sing, but they kind of make fun of that. They use that for comic effect, but they do a bunch of songs that are like Tony's songs. Uh, and uh, songs that we've seen him sing in other contexts. Uh, but they also do, I thought it was interesting, they do uh, Together, Together, Wherever We Go, which is the song from Gypsy that Jack that they sing sang in the, show. in the original. And then they sing later, not yes. after, well, in season five with uh, Two Men on a Horse. Uh, that's the song Felix sings when they're tied in the chairs. As long as you don't watch it on DVD or streaming. Oh, right, right. Because it's a big song, right? <laughs> With copyright issues. So, um, and it's funny to think that when they incorporated that song in that episode, they had already recorded that song for this Odd Couple Sings album. Okay, so there's a bunch of songs. It's on YouTube, all the tracks. Uh, they do some really bad, <laughs> You're So Vain. They try to do some like hip uh contemporary songs uh they do some silly songs uh but the b-side of the album is devoted to something called the odd couple opera and it is indeed an operatic 10-minute uh skit sung, fully sung and um the it is hard to listen to yeah, I'd say that. I mean, it's it should not even be called opera. It is like a stereotype of what people what people hate about or what people think about opera who hate it. It's more like a bad musical. But um, but the only reason I became interested in it is I ran in looking in reading the uh, the Lesac book, Bob Lesac, or as I believe it's pronounced, Lejack. Uh, he one of he does a lot of interviews with. Uh, with actors and crew members of the show, including a lot of the writers. And one of the interviews, one of the longer interviews he does is with Buzz Cohan. Now, Buzz Cohan uh, wrote, I believe, three Odd Couple episodes with a, a partner um, that are mostly about involved musical guests, including the J.P. Morgan episode, and for which he wrote Happy and Peppy, or basically has the ultimate credit on Happy and Peppy. Um, and he also did the, um, I forget what other, anyway, I'm not gonna go through that, but he did uh, some other, he, he, his background was in variety shows. And so he seemed, he, he, he was brought in to do uh, this and another musical guest. Uh, and I, in his interview, he discusses the Odd Couple Opera. But he said, he doesn't talk about the album. He says, uh, there was an Odd Couple opera. We did a four episode network series called Imagination with producer director Marty Passetta, each with a topic. And for one of the episodes about music, we wrote an Odd Couple opera for Jack and Tony. Once again, it was in true opera. It was in true operatic form with two star, the two stars singing all the words. It became so popular that it was then included on the Odd Couple album on the London record label. So this was news to me that, that this had been written uh, before the album. And I, so I decided, well, is there any info on this, this variety show called Imagination that aired 
And apparently they sang this on TV, on network TV. Took me hours, <laughs> took me hours to track this down. Not on, I, I figure, okay, type in, go on IMDb, title imagination, 1973 to whatever, nothing. Mm. Um, thanks, but I, I did some more digging and thanks to a, a, uh, a podcast uh, called Bizarre Albums, by Tony Thaxton, where apparently he does just a bunch of like novelty albums and just other oddities. And he covers um, Odd Couple Sings. He has an episode on just the whole Odd Couple Sings album. But when he gets to the Odd Couple opera part, he, uh, he did the research that dug up an actual small LP, like a 45, not, so not an LP, but like a, you know, promotional, purely promotional that is circulating a around i don't know if it's on ebay but a recording made for to promote the variety show in 1972 and on that uh you can read the label on the album which says uh, recorded for the georgia pacific network television special Oh, sorry. They're part of the Koch brothers. Oh, okay. I think they do the paper, the brawny paper towels and stuff. Like okay. That. But they're, they're an oh, old yes. company. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Now I'm more familiar when they say that. Yes. When you say paper towels. So, yeah. All right. So yeah, it says, uh, uh, from the door, the odd couple opera, Tony, Jack, Tony Randall Jack Logan sing the odd couple opera from the Georgia Pacific television series, imagination set to music written by Bill Angelos, who's a writing partner and, uh, Buzz Cohen. Um, so yeah, apparently Georgia Pacific is still doing this in 1972, like the Alcoa hour or something, <laughs> these like huge companies, these uh, corporations that would per yes. sponsor themselves by doing a random... they sponsor, they sponsor TV shows. Right. But like that, not, not a series, but like a random variety show, a special every now and then during which I guess their commercials would run or something. So does that help you find information? Yes. Oh. Searching. Now I find that the title is not just imagination. Imagination is set to music, Georgia Pacific. I found several TV guide listings from my, from August of 1972. Uh, however, I couldn't find I, the dates were different. So I was going to ask you, like, would this have been? It seemed like it was. Here we are in August, right, the end of summer, and sometime I saw it listed once on a Friday night, once on a Tuesday night. Would that have and on an ABC affiliate? On, so there is a tie in here. Tony Randall, it turns out, hosted the show, the entire variety show. It was like a two-hour variety show that had other guests. But the, the kind of set piece of the, uh, of the variety show was this odd couple opera that Jack Klugman joined him for. And there are as I, a picture I saw where they are dressed in costume, in character. They're actually dressed as each other because there's a role, a kind of preview, a kind of a... a, a role reversal? Role reversal uh before role reversal was done yeah. where they they end up in the opera like looking like he dressed in his other's uh, costume uh so there's a lot of evidence this happened and was on tv but it doesn't seem like it ran it ran in different markets at different times does that make sense it's possible it's that exactly yes yeah. yes i i could see a path where that kind of happens especially in the summer when there's all repeats all right so let's right. play it, like it was a filler or something anyway yeah. so 
that 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 little record is out there for maybe for whoever can find it. But meanwhile, if you they re-recorded that opera, they dug it up and redid it for a year later for this thing in London, the Odd Couple Sings album. So we're gonna play. So we're gonna play a little clip of two minutes. That I hope it's the right two minutes that you asked me to pull. Meanwhile, Oscar has been having a three-day weekend of his own. I've been playing poker for three days straight. And though my eyes are open, I don't feel that great. But Felix will be home soon, and if that's the case, I guess I better tidy up the place. Empty all the ashtrays in the chip bowl, just like this. Then take the butts and chips and drop them in the dip bowl. Just like this. I wonder if this curry is still okay. It's turned a very interesting shade of gray. I'll throw the chips and butts and dips in the curry. Better clean this place in a hurry. Felix will be home in a worry if the place ain't neat. can do to flowers for myself i hold out very little hope between the smoke and the trash i broke out in a rash and my nerves are at the end of their road all right well <laughs> well thank you for indulging me although i i did not enjoy listening to that anymore than you did but all right. it is it is a you know it's part of the yeah, legacy canon. I mean, it's canon. Like, well, yeah, I mean, legacy. it is yeah. written by a staff writer for the show and performed uh, on a different show while the show was uh, running. I think for an opera fan, although you are one, I believe yes. it may be more enjoyed Ooh. than yeah. I can see the quality going into the musical arrangement and composition, but it's why, just why. By the oh, one last footnote on this is that in the Buzz Cohen interview, he says Gary Marshall asked Buzz to take a crack at a musical episode of The Odd Couple for one of the final segments of the series. Buzz says, I wrote six original songs and the script for the episode, but I was very busy with other projects. And by the time I finished the work, it got to the table read. And at first rehearsal, we all realized that there would never be enough time to learn it prepare it and do it justice so it was shelved at the last minute good i find that insane <laughs> it is insane that he wrote that much of it and they shelved it at that and, time and i can't believe he also wrote it and it's like we've never heard anything and i wonder it. yeah i wonder i don't know if he's alive but i wonder if his archives oh uh i was told by somebody 
who I know who works at the Northwestern Library that there's a big that they got all of Gary Marshall's papers. Oh, so uh, I wonder if it's in there. Yeah, interesting. So well, I was also going to ask you, like, you know, this idea of having a music, it's like more recently, it's been a fad for a TV series to have a musical episode like Buffy or um, uh, other ones, I guess. Are you familiar with this trend? I know. It, I mean, it happens and, I, and people, they, they indulge the actors. Um, but sometimes I'm not it, aware of any from the 70s doing that. Yeah. Well, like Brady Bunch, I feel like had a lot of musical segments segments but the idea of like a, a music episode yeah pretending it's a music probably episode. not i not 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 that come to mind okay, okay next is rosie o'donnell 1997 oh, with both jack and tony and jack has his uh this is after a surgery so uh his voice is affected please welcome back the odd couple themselves can you say about the odd couple do you have a favorite episode is that a silly question or not? no no not... no my favorite was uh fear of flying mine is password i love the password one. oh That's yeah that favorite. was hysterical was funny when, I, when i watch them now i laugh mostly at him i think it's really funny and they're really not us yeah they're just two guys and Gary Marshall, of course, did such a great job, and he was just inducted into the Hall of Fame of television. That's right, as he should be. Very smart man. Lovely man, too. Now, um, Jack, do you watch Quincy when you see it on? If you're flipping through, you see if Quincy? I flip it, I see it, and I watch. I say, wow, he sounds pretty good compared to what I sound like now. <laughs> but I'm proud of that show. Yeah. We got legislation passed. Great show. Your backgrounds in theater, both of you. In fact, Jack, we have a little thing of you. What? Listen to this, Jack Klugman. Rose, I love you, but don't count your chickens. Come dance with me. I warn you. That would be you. With Ethel Merman and Gypsy oh, on Broadway. What That's about that? First, I gotta say, a great reviewer said Jack Klugman had a voice like a loud snore, though amiable. But uh, Gary Marshall cast me. I thought he saw me in The Odd Couple, mm -hmm. but he cast me in a television show. He saw me in Gypsy. He did. I said, well, why'd you cast me? He said, I saw Ethel Merman singing to you, spitting all over you, and you never showed it. I said, that's a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be able to take a little spit, you know? <laughs> Do you know that I frequently speak to your uh, wife's sister on the computer? How come? Because she's on the computer, and she IM'd me and said, my sister's married to Tony Randall, mm -hmm. and um, they're going to be in New York. She worships you. The sister's... Christy. Yeah. Yes. She's yes. very nice. But like, I'm a I have instructions to get uh, an autograph photo for her from you. No sweat. That I can do. Yeah. Yes. Now, you guys are going to do the Sunshine Boys. Yes. And yeah. you're bringing it to Broadway. Yeah. How wonderful is that? You're going to start out down in Florida? Yeah. We start out in Florida at the end of this month at the Coconut Grove Playhouse, and then... 
About the end of November, we come to the Lyceum Theater, 45th and Broadway, 2396200. Would <laughs> <laughs> well, that happen to be the National Actors Theater? Yes, my, my baby, yeah. That would be your theater, yes, yeah. it would. Mm -hmm. And I've seen so many wonderful shows there. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful theater, too. Well, we had a very good year last year. This year, we did uh, the Gin Game with... Uh, Charles Durning and Julie Harris, and still running. It's running in Chicago now. It's been a very successful show for us. Yeah, well, I cannot wait to see you. I hope you guys have a great time down in Coconut Grove. And when you come back, I will be there opening night. Oh, I hope so. Nothing Good. would throw me more. I love the show, and it's to watch you two, that's a chance of a lifetime. Thanks. You're the heroine of the theater, you know. Is that so? All right, so that's <laughs> them on Rosie O'Donnell. Not that much to say, but it's interesting. All right, we have three more things left. Now, this is something you found, which I find very interesting. This is Jack doing a promo for um, for an episode of The Odd Couple, uh, Old Flames Never Dies, season five, episode 20. You know who just came to visit? Felix's old high school girlfriend, Mildred Fleener. You think that should make him happy, right? No, it just gave him something else to crab about. Now he's decided he's getting old. That's just what I needed. A tidy old man. Join us next as the odd couple faces middle age. Now I'm guessing that's a bumper that ran after the show that was leading into the odd couple, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, um, and also this seems, I know they did some promos like later for the Nick at Night reruns and stuff. Oh. But this is but not that. This yeah, is not, this seems like it is for the original airing of that. Yes, I also think it's funny that they they went out, out of the way to mention Mildred. Yes, Fleener. right. Who the got, fans? You know. Well, they got two mentions. You know, she got two mentions on the show. We we right. said, and right. now she has this third mention in a way. Which you're right. It's funny. Okay, uh, this is the only clip we have of Jack uh, himself on a on a talk show. So this is him on the Tonight Show, 1982. Now David Brenner is hosting, guest hosting, not Johnny Carson. Yeah, we are real Philadelphian, too. You talk like a... Where's Quincy What do you mean I talk like? You, you had the funny way of talking. <laughs> and you talk like Oxford? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, where's Quincy from? Quincy? You're from? You're from Seventh and Mars, right? Seventh and Mars, isn't it? Yeah. I right, said, so where's Quincy? Quincy's from everywhere. There, Quincy. Anybody who cares about injustice. See, I, this man is, a, is a, a superhero. I mean, he's created because we need him. I mean, we in America need somebody to fight City Hall and they're going to fight all the injustices. And that's what he, he is and that's how he's been created. And uh, he's everywhere somebody says, hey, that's wrong and that should be corrected. And that's uh, the role he plays, right? Yeah, that's, that's what it's about. And you start tomorrow night, you brought a clip with you for, uh, yeah, well, for the show, right? Well, it happened with about a year ago, Michael Braven, one of our writers, wrote a segment. He read about a guy who had killed a couple of members of his family. He went into an institution. He was then, because he got off by, innocent by reason of insanity. Yes. He went in, he did a couple of years, he got out, and with the advice, they said, stay away from your mother. <laughs> and a week later, he killed her. Oh, yes, and, I remember And uh, yes. he was fascinated, and so this was terrible, and he did a lot of research on it, and he came up with a story, which is a parallel, except for the mode of the crime, it parallels the Hinckley case. And when I got into it and I began to do the research with him and found out about it, I realized it's wrong. There are three states that have a law called, and they've gotten rid of that, innocent by reason of insanity, because you can't give a determinate sentence. He goes into an institution and twice a year he can get out if they think he's sane. This, you can get, you say guilty but mentally ill. Indiana, Michigan, Illinois have it. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
you found guilty but mentally ill, you get, say, 20 years to life. But you still go to an institution, you still get help. But after three years, if you're pronounced sane, you finish your sentence. On the rest of the time. Listen, yeah. I believe yeah. in a very, very So there's something, uh, there's something to say about the idea of murdering another human being is not exactly a sane act in itself. So therefore, anyone who does it has got to be a little off. Now, I don't mind crazy people. See, I don't mind like a crazy who comes up to me and he licks your face or something. Okay. <laughs> You say he's off, you know what I mean? He's off, he thinks he's a St. Bernard. Not you, Apple. And you, and, you, and you put him away, fine. And he's secured. But, the, but the guy who originally. blows someone apart, but fine, the one you know. Originally was intended for person. that, you see, for the people who were truly mentally ill. But you can't, if you get 10 psychiatrists, all honest, honorable people, right. five say he was sane, five say he was insane. So now that's a toss-up. And that's a gamble. Gambling I know about. Yeah. Who gets the edge? Yeah. Why give it? Why not give the innocent law-abiding citizen the edge for change instead of the guy who went out and killed a couple of people? Yeah. We're gonna take a little break here and then we're gonna come back and see the clip and talk more with Jack Klugman right after this message. But I think that's a lot of his appearances, you know, because he went right from odd couple to Quincy. And uh he did a lot of this advocating stuff. Uh on talk shows okay final clip this is tony randall on regis and kathy lee 1995 right after he married 25 year old heather randall i think heather well heather um in the in the clip what happens is there's a visual gag um when 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 they're introduced heather is actually carrying tony like in a bear hug off the ground and walks him onto the stage it's a funny, it is a funny gag. ...appearing on Broadway in School for Scandal. It didn't stop Tony Randall from taking a bride just a few weeks ago in a wedding that got uh, lots of uh, publicity. Uh, and so here they are, Mr. and Mrs. Tony Randall. Tony and Heather You know, they're not kidding. I have seen these two, I mean, before they were married. Sure, please. Uh, maybe after David Letterman show in the green room, or once I got in an elevator in that building, and there they were, and they, they're always wrestling. She had him in an arm lock or something. They're very physical, very tactile. Very physical. But how many fellows are that lucky? I never have to walk. She just, carries me around the house. Isn't it nice you don't have to? Did she carry you over the threshold? Yes. <laughs> she actually is the one who proposed, from what That's I understand. Right. Yes, I am. Now listen, how did that happen? I, I've got to hear it by myself now. You proposed to him. I wore him down. Uh-huh. <laughs> you are a I asked woman. him every day. <laughs> That's the truth. Did she really? I yes. cried a lot. Yes. Mm -hmm. really? I begged a lot. Yeah. yeah, finally. And you you loved her, but you were hesitant? Why? <laughs> That's the dumbest question I was ever asked. Why is it dumb? You adored this woman every time we see I, I know it. you had a lovely marriage before. And yes. You had four years of loneliness since your wife passed away. Yes. Why didn't you say yes the first time? You've heard dumber questions. I'll ask one, a dumber one next time. I thought I, I, thought I was too old for her. Well. Uh, no. No. Someone said yes. Someone said yes. <laughs> 
That's a riot. Yeah. Well, yeah. did you discuss this factor? I mean, yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. You didn't think I he didn't was, care. did you? Heaven. Kathy Lee has a great marriage. <laughs> She's right. You all have just a, a little more than we do, but uh, you know what? When you're in love, who counts? That's exactly you know? right. Yeah, yes. when you're in love, and you know, I'd rather, I've always said, I'd rather have 10 years with somebody I adore than a, a lifetime with somebody I can't stand. And in 10 years, I'll only be 95. That's exactly right. No, he's 85. only 85. <laughs> he's only kidding. But, but you know what? You're so in love, Tony. You seem like you're 50 now. You seem so happy. And for those of us who... 50 is old. <laughs> I thought you were going to say 30. I just can't, can't make Tony any, happy today, can I? You can't say anything right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, we have some pictures here oh. of, of the wedding. All right. Well, that was our final clip, which kind of, I guess, sums up because that was the last chapter of his yes. kind of life. His new yeah, segment. it has... Um continued his legacy the theater he met her she was working for the theater company he founded uh and uh sh the theater company did not survive did not go on after he died but she has uh with his uh, estate so give, been a big grant maker in new york theater world and a philanthropist and supporting other theater companies and so um she uh, continues his legacy that's great well, we uh, cover this in two hours. Yeah. Our, I think it's our longest podcast, but there's a lot to go through. And again, we scratch the surface. All these random topics at the end have become our longest. Yes, because uh, there's so much to go through. An, an odd couple episode is a fixed yeah. amount of time. But we will continue to uh, find some more stuff, not, you know, kind of moving on to what more what Tony Randall and Jack Klugman did. We still may do it, try to do a trivia challenge to each other, but uh, it may be a little while till we get back. Uh, with a new episode. But in the meantime, happy Odd Couple Day again to you, Garrett, and to the listeners. And uh, we will talk to you again All soon. Live November 13th. Yes.